Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Hi there and welcome to our home. We're busy with a series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, and especially under lockdown. Can we still use the gifts under lockdown and uh, and if so, how? So uh, last week we looked a bit at uh, making sure we don't have a prison mentality. We also did a a teaching uh, midweek on the gifts of the Spirit, uh, just describing the different gifts of the Spirit. You can go and download those um, on the internet uh, and uh, have a look at them. And it's in that context that we're sharing today. And uh, today I just want to maybe start off um, with a few testimonies um, that sort of illustrate the gifts. Uh, one, of, one of the testimonies I just want to refer to is a, a member of ours, Nanya, and her husband, Cornell, went to, um, to Ukraine with a missions team. Uh, and just how God used her to minister to a lady who, who could hardly speak any English uh, and, and how God used the gifts, the Holy Spirit used the, gifts of, the gift of tongues. And she, she just was just holding this girl and just, she thought just praying in tongues, uh, not knowing that it meant anything. And later on, this young lady uh, got another Russian lady or lady who could speak English and Russian quite well and, and asked her, you know, why didn't you tell me you could speak Russian? And Nanya said, but I can't. Uh, I can't speak a word of Russian. I said, but you were just praying for me in Russian, in fluent Russian. Uh, a few moments ago and uh, then she realized that that God had used the the Holy Spirit had used the tongue um, to minister through her to this lady this Ukrainian lady and obviously that that really impacted both this this lady and Nanya because this lady realized that it wasn't just Nanya praying for her it was the Holy Spirit praying through Nanya um, over her and Nanya herself experienced the Holy Spirit moving through her powerfully. If you want to hear that testimony, Cornell shares a bit of it in, in our teaching Tuesday, our midweek um, teaching on the gifts. So you can go and listen to that. I had a similar experience when I was in Stellenbosch. I was a student there, studied engineering. And uh, I remember there was one lady in the church who was actually studying theology at the, at the uh, theology faculty in Stellenbosch University. She was part of the church. And uh, a young man came up... Um, to the stage he took the mic and he started speaking in tongues uh, over the mic and uh, I, I had enough sort of Hebrew to, to sort of recognize a few words you know um, and, 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 I, and I heard a few Hebrew words that I recognized so I immediately knew okay he was speaking Hebrew and I, I knew this young man and I knew he, he didn't know a word of Hebrew and um, I also knew this this lady had the gift of interpretation of tongues and so I watched her carefully and she came up afterwards it actually it took a long while and I thought okay but why isn't she coming up I, I know she has the gift of interpretation um, and she's even studying you know her, doing a master's in, in theology uh, I know she, she she's quite far advanced in, in Greek and she's got quite a bit of Hebrew as well uh, but, but then after a while she came up and she had a piece of paper and she sort of gave the interpretation. Afterwards, I asked her, I said, it was, it was Hebrew that, that he was speaking, wasn't it? And, and she said, yes, it was. Um, and she, she then said she took a while because she, she was writing down, you know, the translation, the, the interpretation of, of what he was saying. And I, and I asked her, if it was in Hebrew, obviously, you know, some Hebrew, you know, could you recognize some of the words? Could you sort of just with your natural ear hear the, the Hebrew? And she said, yes, yeah, some of it you could understand just with a natural ear but a lot of it was too fast you know Hebrew wasn't good enough to 
you know, understand the Hebrew spoken that fast. And, 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 but even that, even, in, even the parts that you couldn't naturally understand, the Holy Spirit gave a, um, just a spiritual interpretation of it. And she could sort of mix it all together and write it down and, and give the, the interpretation of, of what he had said. And I've heard many other stories like that as well. And, and all of that just shows that, that, the, that the Holy Spirit still wants to speak to us and through us. Uh, even today. Um, I just want to sort of show you a bit of a, a tension that we sometimes feel around this. I've, I don't know, I'm sure some of you guys have experienced it as well. You, you're sort of building a puzzle. You've got maybe a big thousand piece or whatever puzzle. And as you're getting towards the end of the puzzle, you realize that there are a couple of pieces gone. You know, that, that frustration of of not having all the pieces that are supposed to be there, there. Uh, or you... Um, you know, get your favorite pair of socks, you know, from, from the cupboard, but you can only find one of them. The other one's missing. Somehow in the washing and, and the hanging up and the drying and whatever, it had gone missing and it's, it's just not there. Or, or that favorite, you know, fancy pair of shoes that you wear, wear, ladies, maybe once or twice a year when you go to a wedding uh, and, and you're sort of running a bit late, you know, getting to the wedding and you don't want to sort of arrive there with the bride and sort of looking in your cupboard for that pair of shoes because you've got on, you know, your whole outfit and, and you know that that pair of shoes will will fit just perfectly with it and, and you can only find one of the shoes, you know, just that sense of frustration. Or when you're going to, you know, you want to play Monopoly or something and you, and you can't find the dice in, in, the, in the Monopoly box and, and therefore you can't play. And what I'm trying to show with this is that some things just belong together. Some things don't work. I, I remember once, I, um, I can't remember what happened. I think our, our front gates, um, you know, locking mechanism broke so i got a i got a, a chain and I, and i got a, a lock and 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 you know that i wanted to use you know with the chain to sort of just you know manually lock the gate and and i just couldn't find the keys and, and just that sense of frustration i mean here i have this lock it's in my hand you know i can close it but i know i don't have the key so i won't be able to open it again and and some things don't work unless you have them together and it, it's the same spiritually speaking when it comes to the gifts uh, we, we need the gifts. Um, I think you'll, you'll notice that, that um, the gifts only really work properly when, when we keep the gospel, um, people, and the spirit together. Those three things. And, and that's quite a thing for us here in Shofar, uh, in Johannesburg. We, we believe that, that discipleship happens in the overlap of gospel, people, and spirit. When you bring those three elements, those are the three irreducible minimum elements of discipleship. Uh, and discipleship or revival or whatever you want to call it happens when those three things overlap. The, 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 the gospel, the truth of the gospel, um, love for people, and the power of the Spirit. Or, um, and, and, and I want to show you this is true for, for the gifts of the Spirit as well. The gifts of the Spirit only really um, work well. The, the power of the Spirit only really uh, can be practiced well and biblically uh, in a loving community now it's people and in line with the truth of the gospel and i just want to share a little bit about that uh, those three elements and and maybe th- throw in a few other uh, testimonies in between as well so in first corinthians 12 to 14 we know paul's talking about spiritual gifts in the first verse he says now about or concerning spiritual gifts i don't want you to be ignorant and it's interesting that that section, 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, begins by referring to, to the Word of God or the Gospel, and it ends by referring to the Word of God or the Gospel. Let me just maybe read uh, that for you. The, the first, first few verses in 1 Corinthians 12, 
verse 1 to 3 say, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray by, uh, to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, note that the second section is concerning spiritual gifts. Okay, so the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, or the, as verse 7 calls it, the manifestation of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and it's addressed to, uh, the ESV says, brothers. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers. The, the Greek word there is adalphoi. And when, you, when you're speaking to a mixed group of, of men and women, uh, and you want to address them in, in um, you know, fraternal or family terms, then you would use adalphoi. So uh, probably a better English translation of that would be brothers and sisters. So he's, he's talking, in other words, he's, saying, he's talking to brothers and sisters, and he's saying that these gifts of the Spirit that I'm going to talk about, the manifestations of the Spirit, they practiced in the context of a family or in the context of um, community, in the context of a group of people. Okay? And then uh, he goes on and, and, and he talks about um, the fact that Jesus is Lord, the Spirit, Reveals that Jesus is Lord, and Jesus is Lord is, is just a well was just a well known summary of the gospel. Uh, often, the the early church in, in 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 both the gospels and the epistles would summarize the gospel with this little phrase: "Jesus is Lord." So, we see that the gifts of the Spirit, manifestation of the Spirit, happen within a family or community context amongst people and in line with the truth of the gospel and. We, we, we see that we see that um, very often that, that everything that that happens, everything upbuilding, everything that makes disciples, everything that leads to revival um, happens when, when these three elements gospel, people and spirit come together and, and, and overlap. And um, I often think of it like a like a play, you know if you can use sort of the analogy of a play. Uh, the gospel is like the script of the play which tells us how the story plays out, what, what the big picture story is like. Um, and, and obviously it tells us that, that we start off, the bad news is that we start off being the hero of the story, uh, seeing ourselves as the protagonist the, or the hero of the story. But the, the gospel, the, the script, as it were, tells us that actually Jesus is the, story, is the hero of the story. He's the protagonist. Um, he's the leading man, if you can uh, put it that way, in this, in this drama of, of life. Um, and, and conversion is converting from having ourselves as the hero of the story or seeing ourselves as the hero of the story to seeing Jesus as the hero of the story, of the story who rescues us. Um, then people are, are the actors, as it were. And we invite people into the story by them acknowledging Jesus as Lord or Jesus as the hero of the story. Um, in other words, we say, we say, we're saying to them, you must move from being the hero, the protagonist, the leading man or leading lady to being part of the supporting cast that proclaims Jesus as Lord, that proclaims Jesus as the hero of the story. And, and the Holy Spirit is like the director. He is directing us um, to, in, in telling us how we should live out the story. Uh, and He's empowering us, not only telling us what to say and what to do, but also empowering us to say it and do it in a way that portrays Jesus as Lord and, and portrays Jesus as Lordship, the power of His Lordship. And um, so 
What I want you to notice is that this not only those three elements coming together, gospel, people, and spirit, but also that at the very beginning of the section about spiritual gifts, uh, Paul refers to the gospel, which is sort of the crux, the epicenter, as it were, of the Word of God, of the Bible, is, is the gospel. But if you look at the end of the section in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 36 to 40, it says the following. I'm reading again from the ESV. It says, Or was it from you that the Word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So, my brothers or brothers and sisters, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But all things should be done decently and in order. And here we see the Corinthian church uh, was a church that was experiencing both the, the abuse and the disuse of the gifts. Um, that's sort of alluded to um, in, in verse 39 and 40 where it says, So my brothers and sisters earnestly desire to prophesy because there were certain things that they were supposed to desire that they weren't desiring. And, and we should also desire spiritual gifts as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. Uh, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, uh, but especially that you may prophesy. So, so if we don't have a desire for spiritual gifts, we're not obeying uh, the Lord's command and Paul's command that he that he that he gives in this these verses. But then he also says, do not do not forbid to speak in tongues. In other words, the 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 cure for the abuse of the gifts is not the disuse of the gifts, according to Paul. Now, now that's that's obviously in contrast to many modern churches which say, oh, look at all, how all the gifts are, are being abused. And, and that's true. The gifts are being abused by many people. There are many sort of, if I can call it that, charismaniacs who don't care much about the Word of God, um, who just like manifestations of the Spirit. Um, and they are abusing the gifts. That That is all true. And, and I, I condemn that as well. But the cure for that abuse of the gifts is not the disuse of the gifts. So, so. You know, we, we, many of those churches say, oh, the gifts are being abused, therefore we must disuse them. We must just throw them out completely. You know, throwing out the baby with the bathwater, as it were. But Paul's cure, because I mean, Paul was addressing a church, the Corinthian church, where the gifts were also being abused. But his cure for the abuse of the gifts was not the disuse of the gifts. He says, don't forbid the gifts. Don't forbid speaking in tongues. Even though that was particularly the gift that was being abused in this context. He says, don't, don't forbid to speak in tongues. Rather, let everything be done decently in order. In other words, um, as Christensen said, the, the cure for the abuse of the gifts is not the disuse of the gifts, but the proper use of the gifts. Uh, I heard Ravi Zacharias once say that don't judge something by the abuse of it. Um, the Bible is being abused. There are so many, I mean, almost all the sects and cults in the world claim to base their theology and their teaching and their practice on the Bible, but they're abusing the Bible. They 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 misinterpreting the Bible. They're reading all kinds of things into the Bible that the Bible doesn't say. Uh, many opponents of Christianity abuse the Bible by reading all kinds of things into uh, the Bible that the Bible doesn't say. That by by misrepresenting God and presenting God as something and someone that He is not. But. Does that mean we should, because the Bible can be abused and because the Bible is being abused, we should therefore throw out the Bible? No, of course not. Don't judge something by the abuse of it. And likewise, let us not judge the gifts by the abuse of it. And the cure for the abuse of the gifts is not the disuse of the gifts, but the proper use um, of the gifts. 
So that, that's the first first thing we must see from that. But the, the second thing that we must see, and, and this is very important, and this is how Paul challenges them. He's sort of drawing his, his whole challenge and his correction of their use of the gifts, the, um, the, the, the abuse of the gifts. He's, he's drawing to a point, and he says to them, um, he challenges them from the Word of God. And he says, you know, was it from you that the Word of God came? Or are you the only ones that it reached? In other words, he's saying to you, you know, you, you're acting as though the Word of God originated with you, as though you are the ones who developed and created the Word of God, or as though it came to you first, like you have sort of, uh, you know, so, some other, you know, finders, keepers, first right to it. In other words, you're acting as though you have authority over the Word, rather than as though the Word has authority over you. Why are you acting that way? Why are you acting as though the Word of God came from you, or it came to you first? No, submit to the Word of God. Don't require this Word of God to submit to you. Don't. Um, Luther says it beautifully. He says, let us not bend the Word, but allow it to bend us and give it the honor of being better than we can make it. So he's saying, in your practice of the gifts, don't bend the Word, but allow it to bend you and give it the honor of being better than you can make it. Um, and, and we would do well to, to heed that as well. And Paul even says uh, that what I'm writing to you, you know, anyone who thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that what I'm writing to you is the command of God. That is, this is the word of God. This is what you must submit to as the word of God. In other words, in your practicing of the gifts, if, you're, if you think you're a prophet or spiritual and practicing spiritual gifts, and that practice of the spiritual gifts does not lead you to submit to the written word of God, then there's something wrong. And he says, anyone who doesn't recognize this, in other words, doesn't recognize the written word of God as the ultimate standard, anyone who doesn't recognize the written word will not themselves be recognized. And so we see that, that this whole teaching about the gifts is sort of sandwiched between two sections that explicitly refer to the gospel and the word of God. And, and we need to submit to that uh, as well. I uh, sort of, when I started discovering my gifts, one of my gifts is a gift of of teaching, you know, under the anointing of the Spirit, um, a so-called uh, message of knowledge or, or word of instruction or, or teaching gift, uh, whatever you want to call it. And I started to discover it when, sort of by accident, just by practicing it, and, and not even intentionally. You know, I remember one guy. One guy came came to our house once, and and you know, we, we'd grown up in a in a Dutch Reformed church where the gifts of the Spirit were. I mean, not even really on the radar. Uh, and, and one of our friends sort of came into contact with, with this reality of the manifestation of the Spirit. And we started experiencing it, you know. Uh, we didn't have anyone to teach us. So we just sort of read the book of Acts and we see, okay, well, they're laying hands on each other, praying for one another. All kinds of things happens, you know, happened, you know, tongues, prophecy, you know, what have you. Uh, well, let's try it, you know. And, and we tried what we read in Scripture. And what do you know? It worked. And, um, uh, you know, some, some other, you know, guys in school, you know, we were still high school kids came heard about this and so this one guy came to visit us and he asked us about this my brother and I and I just sort of started sharing you know about the gospel uh, about Jesus and how he gives the Holy Spirit how part of the gospel is Jesus giving his Holy Spirit to us so that we can be like him uh, both in terms of the fruit of the Spirit in terms of, of character and in terms of the gift of the Spirit uh, in terms of of, of ministry and, and anointing and um all, all that I remember from that, I can't remember at all what I shared with him, except that it was from Scripture. You sort of just a teaching from Scripture around the Holy Spirit and the, and the gospel. But all that, what I remember was he was sitting there, you know, like however long it took, half an hour, hour, whatever it was, just sort of sitting there, you know, wrapped, you know, with big eyes like this, and um, 
and afterwards he said to me as I said you know what, what do you think you know how do you feel and he said wow this is amazing I, I, f- I feel like someone has taken my heart and put it in, a, in a, like in a plastic bag and, and it's like like pulling the bag tight around my heart you know uh, and I feel so excited I feel so I feel something spiritually and, and, you know, that's when I started to realize, you know, um, God has given me some other gift to be able to teach people and, and he's anointed. He, he anoints what I, what I share by his grace and, and allows it to impact people's hearts. And, and it really had a big impact on this, this young man's life. And um, there are a few things as encouraging as experiencing the Holy Spirit ministering through you to other people. Uh, and, and, and that's what, what I want for all of us to experience as well. So the gifts of the Spirit are in line with the gospel and the word of God. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are also um, practiced by individuals but within community and, and within love for people. Um, allowing people in love to, to direct you, to teach you the gifts, to instruct you, to, to, um, to model the gifts to you and to correct you um, in terms of your use of the gifts, but also minister to people in love. The gifts are ministered to people in love. In other words, the gifts are basically a way to love people well. Um, it, it's, a, it's a way to, to express a, a love for people in a supernatural way. So, um, firstly, the, when we practice, our practice of the gifts will benefit others. We'll, we'll show love to them. So it talks about the manifestation of the Spirit in, in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7. is given to each one for the common good. And the purpose of the gifts, in other words, is for the common good, for the good of others. In other words, God has gifted you, as the saying goes, with other people in mind. God didn't gift you for your sake. God gift you for, gifted you for the sake of others. When the Holy Spirit gives a grace gift to you, by His grace gives a certain supernatural manifestation to you, it is not for your benefit. Although, it, surely it will benefit you as well. Um, something like tongues, when you speak in tongues, it builds you up as well. And, and that's all good and well. We're not saying it shouldn't benefit you. But the primary purpose of the gifts is to benefit others. God gifted you with other people in mind. In other words, one of the most unselfish and loving things that you can do is to allow the Holy Spirit through His gifts to manifest Himself through you to others. Because that will be to their benefit because it's for the common good. Um, In other words, what what that tells us is that, um, let me just maybe say this, love one definition of love that I quite like is that love seeks the advantage of others. In other words, love seeks the advantage, the greatest good of the object of that love. And, and therefore, um, a desire for the common good is simply a desire for love. And therefore, a desire to practice the gifts which leads to the common good will also lead to loving people well. Um, and, and that's why, you know, Paul, Paul doesn't say pursue love in, in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. He doesn't say pursue love or desire spiritual gifts. He doesn't put those in opposition to each other. He says pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may, may prophesy. So the manifestation is for the, of the Spirit is for the common good. Um, we, we do well to remember that the, the, the church, the body of Christ, as Paul calls it here in, in this section 
uh, of Scripture is the community of the Spirit. Remember what 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13 says. It says, in one spirit you are baptized into one body. The body, the church, is the community of the Spirit. And therefore, unsurprisingly, Paul says that it's to the benefit of this body, of this church, this community of the Spirit, when the Spirit manifests Himself through the individuals of that community. And when we desire the gifts of the Spirit, we are desiring the good of the community. We are desiring the common good. We are actually loving people well. And and that should motivate us to desire um, the spiritual gifts. Um, But this also means that the gifts are a means to an end, not an end in themselves. In other words, the the end, the means are the gifts. The end is to love people well and to glorify God. And so often, especially you know, us as Pentecostal charismatic Christians, we make the mistake of making the gifts an end in themselves rather, rather than a means to an end. And we put all the emphasis, all the focus on the gifts rather than putting the focus on Jesus and how He wants to love people. Uh, through us and and that sort of distorts the gifts because it takes something that's supposed to be a means to an end and makes it an end in itself so what what we do well actually to to just go back and say no the gifts are a means to an end and, and we're going to practice it in that way so the gifts um, will benefit others but but we also our practice of the gifts also benefits from the from the presence of others I can put it if I can put it in in this way the only safe place and the only right place to learn and develop the gifts is within the community, within the, the church. Um, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 26, when you come together, each of you, and then he mentions uh, some manifestations of the Spirit, um, has a hymn, you know, a teaching, a revelation, you know, whatever. In other words, the right place to to exercise and develop the gifts is within the community. But not only that, it's, it's like it's like Paul is saying, the Spirit especially manifests Himself when you come together. I remember um, a friend of mine, Lauren, once shared this uh, sort of illustration that I think illustrates this well. She was pregnant with her second son uh, called Caleb. And she said, even though Caleb was inside of me, I couldn't see him until I went to the doctor and looked on the scan, the, the sonar, and then I could see him. And, and, and she said... Sometimes you have to go somewhere in order to see what's already inside of you. And so often when we go to community, when we come together, we see what the Lord has already placed inside of us in terms of His Holy Spirit and the gifts of His Holy Spirit that is placed inside of us. They only really come out when we come together, when we come into community. And therefore, it means that unless we are fully committed to community, we are not fully committed to the gifts of the Spirit. Because they need to be practiced in community and they're best uh, practiced within community. Let me just read you an, another um, portion of scripture um, that, that relates to this as well. This is in 1 Corinthians 14. I can just find it here. Yeah, verse um, 29 and onwards. And interesting portion of scripture. Uh, it says the following. Let two or three prophets speak and let the other weigh uh, what he said. Now was test the, the others, the other prophets. In other words, weigh what he said. So he's talking about some of the meeting with our prophets. Uh, one is speaking, two or three, uh, one at a time, um, and the rest are weighing or testing uh, what he said. Amongst others, testing it obviously against uh, scripture. And he says, if 
a revelation is made to another sitting there, another of the prophets sitting by, let the first be silent. And it shows us what prophecy is. It's an it's a invasive revelation, uh, which is then uh, communicated. And then he goes on, For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all may, and, and all may be encouraged. Uh, and then it says, The spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not the God of confusion, but of peace. But just the, the main thing I want you to see there is, says you, you may all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all may be encouraged. Notice what he's not saying. He's not saying you may all receive prophecy so that all may learn and all may be encouraged. No, he's saying you, may, you can all give. In other words, what he's saying here is you, are, you learn and you get encouraged and you develop the gifts by practicing the gifts, not only by receiving them. So he's not excluding that. But, but here specifically, he's saying it's by practicing them and then having them weighed. In other words, having them tested and receiving feedback from others. So the, the, that is the crux of what it means to learn to operate in the gifts of the Spirit or um, responsibly practice the manifestation of the Spirit, uh, manifestations of the Spirit. Within community, loving community, in line with the truth of the Word and the Gospel, to practice the gifts and then receive Feedback where people speak the truth in love to us and, and correct us and encourage us. That's how we learn and are encouraged, according to what Paul says. Um, we, have, we have a thing that we, that we say, if you, uh, you know, there are sort of four steps to, to, to learning, to coaching, if I can call it that word, to discipleship. Uh, say, show, support, send. Uh, my friend um, Ross Van Niekerk sort of came up with this from um, Kenneth Blanchard's uh, teaching. So he says, first you need to say it. Uh, that's what Paul's doing. He's teaching about a, the gifts. He's, he's saying this is what the gifts are and how they work. Then show it. It needs to be modeled. Uh, then support someone as they practice it. Um, give them feedback. Evaluate them. Help them to grow in it. And then send them to do the same. To say, show, support and send other people. And that, that's how you, you, you grow in this. That's supposed to happen within the church community. And that does happen within um, the church community when, when, we, when we bring gospel people and spirit uh, together. I just want to share a little uh, testimony with you. And I, I'm sort of running out of time, so I don't want to uh, go on for too long. But um, one of our members, Elmery, um, had a dream. Actually, she had the same dream three times. The first time she had it was sort of in early December, just before the last year, before the December holidays and before this whole coronavirus thing started coming out. Then she had exactly the same dream again in January 2020 and then again in March uh, 2020 just before South Africa went into lockdown and the dream was was as follows she would wake up inside of her flat and and a flat was pretty much just um, a bedroom bathroom and then sort of a open plan kitchen living space kitchen lounge area which took up I, I presume most of the flat so she'd wake up and then she'd come into this open Open, area, um, open plan kitchen lounge area and everything would be stolen. All the furniture, everything in uh, you know, value w w would have been stolen. And, and she was, you know, initially when she got the dream, she was like, oh, you know, uh, should I get, you know, better insurance or something? Is God warning me that there's a, um, you know, a break-in coming? And then, you know, in January she got it again, exactly the same. She didn't quite know what to make of it, uh, what it meant. Then the third time she had it, she was in a different house, not not her, her own flat, but in a different house. Uh, so she, she again woke up and, and walked into the, the kitchen lounge area, the, the sort of living area. Everything again was stolen. and um, 
But this time there was something else added. She had like dots, blue dots all across her face. And and these uh, dots were, were, were connected with blue lines. They were all connected with one another in blue lines. So she obviously looked quite strange in the dream. And she started sharing the dream with um, some friends and asking them, what do you think it means and so on. And, um, you know, to make a long story short, I, I think one of the reasons why why God showed her the gift uh, or gave her actually the showed her the dream and, and gave her the, the dream in a different form the last time is to show this dream is not just for you so it wasn't just in her flat it was in someone else's house so it has wider application than, than just for her it's, it's, it's for the whole body number one and I said to her um, you know, I, I think one of the reasons why God showed you the gift in this way is so that you could learn to develop and grow in your, your practice of the gifts and one of the things that we forget about prophecies, that prophecy is much like tongues in the sense that it also needs to be interpreted. Remember Paul says um, in this section, you know, if you speak in tongues to someone and they don't understand it, it, it doesn't benefit them. It doesn't build them up unless it's also interpreted. But the same can be actually be said for, for prophecy. And we forget that whether it's dreams or visions or some other, other kind of prophecy, it still needs to be interpreted. And, and I think God was sort of taking her through a process uh, to help her grow in that and, and to learn that. And, and here was my interpretation of, 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 of this dream. Um, I think Elmeri herself in the dream represents the church. Um, and the church sort of wakes up. And while the church obviously was sleeping, the living area, sort of kitchen, open plan kitchen, um, lounge area, living area, that's the place where you show hospitality, receive people, and where you have community and fellowship. That had been stolen. So the, the space in which we would have community has been stolen empty. And that's exactly what happened with, with the lockdown with the church. You know, while we were sleeping, in a sense, <laughs> while we were unawares, uh, all of a sudden, all of that was taken away. Our space for fellowship, our normal, natural, obvious space for fellowship has just been cleared. It's been taken away. It's been removed. And we can't have that fellowship in a normal way. And that, hence we sort of... Uh, having fellowship virtually, not actually, but but virtually um, over the internet. And then also the the dots on on her face to me just confirmed that in the dream she was representing the church uh, in the sense that the church is a body, like she was a body, but a body made up of different members that are connected with one another. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about in this section, uh, especially to uh, the middle to the end of 1 Corinthians 12. Um, and what was encouraging, and also the, the, the color blue, I think, is significant because blue, uh, we even say, you know, I feel blue. In other words, I feel down. I feel it's sort of a negative emotion, a sad emotion, uh, a sad color, if I can call it that. In other words, this will be a sort of a... Um, a bit of a downer because our normal space for community has been taken away um, and we feel blue about it as the church, as the dots that are connected as part of the body, if I can put it that way. But the encouraging part was that the dots were still connected in the dream. In other words, even though the normal space for community had been taken away, the, the connections, the real connections, the spiritual connections between the members of the body, the dots of the body, if I can put it that way, were still maintained. And that to me is encouraging. And, you know, I think that dream should encourage you as well, should encourage us as well to know that we are the body of Christ, number one. Even though we're under lockdown and our normal space for community has been taken away, we're still connected with one another. And we can still connect at least virtually with one another. And, and 
Thirdly, what should encourage us even more than all of that is that this coronavirus and the lockdown didn't take God by surprise. God knew it was coming. He started giving it, showing it to dreams, uh, to, uh, in dreams to people, even though we, we was, you know, it happened while we were asleep. We didn't realize. And it's only in hindsight that we could see, okay, this is what God meant with the dream. Uh, but God was speaking about it. And it didn't take him by surprise. It's not like God lost control when the coronavirus came. God is still in control. He knew what was coming. And he sent this word to encourage us, even though you're feeling blue about this, stay connected. You are still connected and stay connected. Just another um, similar um, word of prophecy that that came in September of um, of 2019. It was September last year, uh, where someone uh, uh, a brother was prophesying regarding China. Now, listen, I'm 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 going to read a transcript of of that prophecy. So remember, this is in September 2019. So that's about two months odd before the whole coronavirus thing started hitting the the um, global media uh, in December, around December of, of 2019. Uh, so here's the prophecy. The economical fight, this is regarding China, the economical fight with America will continue. People will have to be weary and careful going to China in, 20, in the 2020 season. God must send you. Don't go on your own. A new sickness called COV-19. Notice how close they got it there. It, obviously, you know, it's called COVID-19. But in, in the prophecy, they got it pretty close. COV-19 will start in an almost unknown province uh, and spread very quickly around the world. Some places will be locked down and food shortages, food shortages will happen. Do not travel to China in 2020. And uh, it's interesting, uh, this, you know, prophecy just sort of illustrates a few things to me number one uh, it illustrates that we see in a, in a glass darkly you know uh, like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 when we prophesy we prophesy in part uh, until perfection comes in ours until Jesus comes back and we, we know as we are fully as we are known and, and, and so on but we prophesy in part but I mean it, it's you know quite astounding that someone can get such an accurate prophecy a couple of months before the whole thing breaks on, on the global scene and it just shows us that that the Holy Spirit is still speaking to His church today. Much of the church is not hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying. Even much of the church that is championing the gifts. You know, so many people are saying, oh, you know, 2020 is going to be a, a, a year of, you know, just, you know, everything going well and, you know, no challenges, no, no problems, you know, 20 plenty and all that kind of stuff. And boy, were they wrong. But, but some people in the church were actually hearing from, from, from the Lord and, and the Holy Spirit was showing you know your houses are going to be cleaned out your, your spaces of fellowship is going to be cleaned out there's going to be a COV or COVID-19 disease you know that's going to spread across the world um, it didn't take God by surprise um, God still speaks even prophetically even today um, obviously that those gifts must be in line with the gospel and the word um, in love towards people and manifestation of the Spirit, in obedience to the to the Holy Spirit. But I, I hope that encourages you. Um, I've lots of other examples I wanted to share, but I, um, I, I think I've shared enough. But let's be encouraged to to know that the Holy Spirit, because He loves people so much, and because um, of the truth of the gospel, He wants to manifest Himself in us and through us to one another. And within the loving community of the church, we can, we can practice these gifts and even use these gifts, even under lockdown, to minister in the supernatural power of the Spirit uh, to, to people who desperately need 
um, to know that God really is among us and uh, to, 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 to fall down and to worship Him, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. Let me pray for us. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for this time we can spend together looking at your word. Thank you, Lord, that Holy Spirit, you are the same Holy Spirit today as, that, as you were um, in, in the church in Corinth or in the, in the church in the book of Acts. You haven't changed, Lord. And thank you that you tell us, Lord, that, um, that we can love people well. One of the ways that we can love people well is by allowing you, Holy Spirit, to manifest yourself in us and through us. To one another. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll come and do that. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.